Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a very special Buckeye Retalkables. First time in a while. Doug Lee Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. And I think this is the first time we're doing a game that wasn't actually a game. Because the whole thing of the talkables is you go back and you look at an old game in Ohio State history. We have categories that we use. You break it down. You look at old things and wide collars and strange plays. And you think, oh my goodness, that was long ago. We are looking now at a game that was less than four years ago. It's the 2018 Ohio State spring football game. I covered this game. This was the season that Steven joined the beat later that year, but was not yet on the beat by this point. Nathan was a year away from joining the beat. So I wanted to for you guys to get eyes on this. And the reason we're doing this, Nathan, is because it's like the converging. It's in the news. There were three quarterbacks in this game fighting to be Ohio State starting quarterback in 2018. One of them is leading his team in the playoffs right now with the Heisman Trophy in his pocket. And the other guy just announced he's done with football because he's going to go be a cryptocurrency ambassador or something, which, by the way, might make him a billionaire. I mean, if we come back in five years and it's like Tate Martell has more money than Joe Burrow, I mean, would anybody be all that shocked? But, Nathan, that's the focus of this, these quarterbacks, of course, also with Dwayne Haskins, who won that job. Life's crazy, man, ain't it? Yeah, and it, does Haskins qualify as being in the news with like Ben Roethlisberger trying to decide if he's coming back? And Haskins is on the Steelers roster, and that's kind of hanging out there yeah. on the periphery. But um, yeah, I, I, it was a great like little window into the recent past for someone like me who didn't wasn't here for any of the Tate Martell stuff, wasn't here for the actual quarterback battle between Haskins and and burrow and here you get to see them side by side it's a very brief snapshot but a an interesting one because you get to actually compare them head to head with the same guys on the field just a a a a pivotal afternoon i think in ohio state history i don't think anything happened in this day that like decided that competition necessarily but it still is fascinating to kind of look at where everything has gone since then Steven, did this feel like a million years ago? 
watching this thing or what was it like? Because obviously you were paying to Ohio, attention to Ohio State football back then, yeah. but you weren't a beat reporter covering the team. Right. What, what? Where was your head at watching this thing? It kind of feels like a million years ago because there are points in this game where they're mentioning players who aren't – most of the players they were mentioning aren't even here anymore. Even the freshmen who would have been seniors this past season, I think there was a point in it where they're like hyping up Dallas Cannon. It's like, oh, man. That didn't pan out at all. He's not even here anymore. So it does kind of feel like a million years years ago. I think the only way this would have been more poetic justice has if if everything that's happening in the news surrounding some of these quarterbacks now were happening a year ago, because then you could tie in the fact that like, hey, we also have a three-man quarterback battle going on where it's really more of a two-man battle with another guy who's just kind of hanging around. And there were comparisons, I think, that we made, you know, between, I mean, that Burrow-Haskins battle, right? And Martell was never really in it. The graphic at the start of this mm-hmm. game made it seem like a three-way quarterback battle. He was there on the fringes. The way Urban Meyer talked about it, sometimes it sounded like a three-way battle. We always kind of knew it was a two-way battle. But Tate Martell played in this game. And, and it, you know, I think... I think his performance mattered maybe not in was he going to beat out Dwayne Haskins or Joe Burrow, but was it going to give you some indication of what his future as Ohio State football would be? But it's not just them. I got to tell you, man, there are so many glimpses of sort of it like the past and the future of Ohio State football happening at the same time. You know who I – so if you guys want to watch this, it's on YouTube. It's the Big Ten Network broadcast of it. It's James Laurinaitis as the analyst. I don't know who the play-by-play guy is. It's like an hour and 45 minutes. It was really weird. Like the first series of the, quote, game, the broadcast missed because they just started playing while they went to commercial break. So it's a little hectic. They moved up the game of when it was supposed to kick off because the, there was a bad weather forecast. It wasn't really a game. It was There was a time when the Ohio State spring game was a little more gamey. This was not super gamey. Urban Meyer's sort of making stuff up. So it's not really a game. But they talked about all the things happening around Ohio State football. I, I probably listened to 78% of the broadcast. I fast-forwarded through a couple things. I am not sure. Did they say the name Ryan Day at all? On the broadcast, Ryan Day, no. he's the quarterback's coach. They are having a quarterback competition in less than a year. Ryan Day is going to be named the head coach of Ohio State football. He also, by the way, looks like he's 29. Every time you get a shot of this guy, it's baby Ryan Day. It's like, oh, who's that young guy? Is that a grad assistant talking to Tate Martell on the sideline? It's like, no, it's beardless young before I had the weight of the program on my shoulders, Ryan Day. We always make people always talk about when someone becomes the president and they age 10 years in their first year in office. And it's like, I'm not, listen, man, I'm a middle-aged guy too. Ryan, man, you were a kid back then. But Steven, like, it's not like there was a huge conversation of Ryan Day is a great quarterbacks coach and he's so involved in this. It was like, man, this is urban show. And that's just not the way we talked about Ohio State football back then. Yeah, no, this job is definitely age Ryan Day. These are two different people that we see now when we see them. But yeah, it was he's just an assistant coach who was just doing his job. You don't really hear him. You don't really see him. I'll tell you who you do see a lot when they go to different players. Um, you see Brian Hartline a lot. Oh, I, he is I, active I, coaching. And it's like I, I do since you're you're on the beat, was Zach Smith like around at this time? Because that, honestly, Zach Smith is the coach right here. He's the coach. Right. 
Right. Yeah. I know he's the coach, but is he like actually like physically around the team at this point? And the reason I'm asking is that they showed Brian Hartline was so active that if you just dropped somebody in from space and they watched that spring game, they probably just would assume Brian Hartline was a wide receivers coach. Yeah, I mean, I I was noting Brian, but like Zach Smith's right in the mix there, like right Zach Smith's in the heart of it. This again, this is April. At that summer is like when all the Zach Smith stuff yeah. starts popping up. So it, it is such a transitional year in Ohio State football by my count. So there were some guys, Stephen, you were talking about guys who were in this game who are still around. By my count, there were eleven guys in this game who were part of the team this past season. Some of them were some of the early enrollees. Seven Banks, Master Teague, Dallas Gant, Antoine Jackson, and Matthew Jones were all in that spring at the very least. I think they popped up at various times. But the guys who were actually on the team who were still around this year, Marcus Williamson, Demario McCall, Bradley Robinson, who's coming back for year seven as a long snapper, was there. Thayer Munford, Haskell Garrett, and Jerron Cage. Like It's one of those things, Nathan, where on one hand, it's like, oh my God, think of how much has happened to Ryan Day and Brian Hartline and Urban Meyer and Joe Burrow and Tate Martell and Dwayne Haskins and all these guys, Terry McLaurin, all these guys, Nick Bosa, Chase Young, since then. But yet there are guys who were there who are still here now. So it's not a million years ago. Thayer Munford's playing left tackle in this game, like kind of for the first time ever. And then he starts for the next four years on Ohio State's offensive line. Three of them was left tackle. But there are those connectors that connect it to today. No, I mean, anybody who was a true freshman, that would have been and came in early. That's their spring game. And anybody who was a redshirt freshman who didn't play in 2017 would have maybe been taking on maybe their first steps towards a bigger role that spring. So I, I did think that, again, someone for, for myself, it was a great look into the past to see like Thayer Munford making a play as a uh, in in 2018 and and other guys who were you know doing things maybe for the first time uh, for the public uh, getting to see them make plays as an Ohio State player and then seeing how that paid off. Similarly, it was interesting to hear a lot of names come up, either guys who played in this game or guys who were mentioned in this game, with the expectations that were on those guys and it never came to fruition. Right. And there's a running joke. I mean, every Ohio State fan knows the guy who's like, who guys who pop in the spring game and then never quite make it, right? There are some, there's a lot of Jalen Harris conversation in this spring game, for instance. That's a running thing. We always know that in the spring game, that's going to happen. But there are also a lot of dudes in this game. I tallied it up. I might be off by one or two. I'm old. I'm bad at math. Do you guys want to guess? And and if there were players who were on the roster but maybe didn't play in the actual spring game because they were hurt or because they were just being held out because they were veterans, I still counted them. They're on the team. They're on the sideline hanging out. How many guys on the roster at this time have been drafted into the NFL since then? And this is not counting guys like Haskell Garrett and Thayer Munford and some other guys who are going to be drafted. Steven, take a guess. How many NFL draft picks? on the roster at this point in the spring of 2018? 12. And Nathan, that might be you're mad you're, And you're including guys who were drafted after they went somewhere else. Like Joe Burrow. Yes. I, I actually, that might, that's where I'm wondering if I'm off. Cause I can't, I don't, I can't think of another guy okay. besides Burrow who would qualify in that category, but it's everybody who's 
around on the Ohio so the State 2019 roster. draft, 2020, and 20. So three years of drafts. I mean, it's got to be higher than that. It's got to be yeah. more like 23. Yeah. Yeah, might be Yeah, because it might be like eight first rounders alone. 27, and it includes a number one pick, two number two picks, and a number three pick overall in the draft. Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Nick Bosa, Jeff Okuda. The other first rounders, Dwayne Haskins and Damon Arnett. Second rounders, Paris Campbell, J.K. Dobbins, Pete Warner, Josh Myers. Third rounders, uh, Draymond Jones, Terry McLaurin, Davon Hamilton, Malik Harrison, Wyatt Davis, Baron Browning. Fourth rounders, Kendall Sheffield, Michael Jordan, Tommy Togiai. Fifth rounders, Luke Farrell, Sean Wade. Sixth rounders, Isaiah Prince, Jordan Fuller. Seventh rounders, Mike Weber, K.J. Hill, Jay Sean Cornell, and Jonathan Cooper. That's a lot of dudes. And I'm sure Bama has that, right? I mean, there's a couple, a handful of teams that have that. But but Nathan, the idea of there were moments where the future, I think it happened at least once, where the future number one overall pick in the draft was dropping back to pass and two future overall number two picks were pressuring him at the same time. And it was like, what is happening? How is this the world? And they never won a national title. Like that group, this is a group of all this. They are not all going to come back in 10 years for a parade or, a, you know, read till we live something because they never won a national title. I mean, I suppose they can come back and celebrate a, a Big Ten championship or whatever, you know, some kind of nominal thing. But you're right. Like they didn't they didn't reach that that highest. But also you're talking about none of that really synced up perfectly time wise either. Obviously, Burrow wasn't here. And the Bosa Young thing didn't really get to happen together very much, uh, so that also was a factor here too. That if 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 you had gotten to have healthy Bosa with Young healthy and and in his on uh, coming up at the at the right time, like that might have been something. Obviously, we can litigate you know what would have happened if Joe Burrow had been here, and we already have in in a lot of ways. Although we've talked more about. Burrow Fields, maybe than we have Burrow Haskins. I'm sure you guys did that before I ever got here, though. So yeah, it it, it is weird that, that that never quite synced up the right way. And I would also say it it provided some stark reminder that the second half of that, the defensive side of that, has been absent here these last couple of years. Like that that defensive menace that was going to be an NFL star someday has been absent here, and I think you've noticed it. I can't believe this defense was that bad that year. When you just look at the names alone. It is. It, it's shocking. I, and part of it is that Nick Bosa was going to have two and a half more games left in his career as an Ohio yes. State Buckeye. So the idea that you have, and the game ends, Joe Burrow throws a 50-yard touchdown pass to Demario McCall in the last play of the game, and they're like kind of walking off the field. And it's like Nick Bosa and Joe Burrow kind of joking yeah. around together. Those guys are both leading their teams in the NFL playoffs right now. They are among the biggest young stars in professional football. And the two of them, as this spring game ended, would have two and a half more games combined as Ohio State Buckeyes. And it kills you, man. Like, think about like it's That is, it's, it's ridiculous talent, two and a half more games as Buckeyes. Um, 
The thing that I want to do primarily here, because I think we have done a Buckeye fly effect on the Haskins Burrow decision. So I don't want to do that again. This is retarkable, it's not a Buckeye fly effect. What I want to do, I want to do a forensic analysis. Because especially in a world where Urban Meyer has opened himself up for a range of criticism, given how his given his performance and what happened on and off the field with the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. And one of the criticisms of then football stuff is, yeah, he didn't even know he had Joe Burrow when he had Joe Burrow. And it's always sort of like, man, I like, I get it when people say that, but in the moment, there weren't a ton of people who were like, what are they doing? It's a terrible mistake. I want this to be a forensic analysis of this game. If somebody was dropping in, you know what? Hey, I'm going to write a thing about how Urban Meyer blew it with Joe Burrow. I'm going to, I wasn't there. I'm, I'm columnist. I'm analyst X. I'm going to watch this spring game to ask the question, should they have known? When I watch this, do I think to myself, man, anybody would see it's Burrow, man. What are they doing? That's what I want from you guys primarily from that aspect of it. But we have all the other categories to cover as well. And we'll start doing that next on Buckeye Talk. Doug, Nathan, Steven, back, 614-350-3315 for the text. Who owned the game, the dominant player or players on either side? I'm going to start. This also refreshed my mind on this and made me feel about the weird stuff I've said regarding this player in the last four years. Demario McCall owned this game. There is a quarterback battle happening. There are future NFL players all over the field. And Demario McCall, there's a... A, a Formula One race being run outside of Steven's apartment right now. And we're doing it on the better podcast platform. So we're picking up, I think, every uh, every every person driving by. Damari McCall dominates the game. He plays for both sides, 11 catches, 165 receiving yards, two touchdowns. And all they talk about, Nathan, all game is like, oh, man. He's kind of been a running back. They're moving him to H back. Urban Meyer says, oh, they got to find a place for him. He's interesting. He's intriguing. They've got to find a spot for him on the field. They go to Urban Meyer after the game. He's holding his grandson being interviewed by Bobby Carpenter. The first name out of his mouth is Demario McCall. Nathan, did you watch this and think, oh, my God, how did Demario McCall not become an All-American? he was so important that he's playing for both teams. Like they're finding ways to get him into both offenses. The, whatever the future of Ohio state football was going to be, as far as the quarterback position, it was apparently going to feed through Damari McCall. I had him also down for a, a later category where we talk about because KJ Hill not being at this game, obviously opened some opportunity for Demario McCall, obviously hurt. He's on the sideline, right, right, not play. playing in yeah. this game. But no, absolutely. It it seems like and and they keep dropping the Curtis Samuel comp on him, which I think was more about um, theoretical positional design than it was anything Demario McCall had actually done on a football field at, at that point. So I, yeah, it. I think if you if you saw this, having not seen a down of Ohio State football for the last four years. And somebody went back and showed you this to be like, oh, how did that guy turn out? And you'd be like, well, he, he played cornerback eventually and was a kick returner and hardly ever touched the ball. Well, be like, what happened to that guy? It's like, oh, he stuck around for six years, switched sides of the ball and then made the halftime speech that saved the Rose Bowl. It's like, oh, cool. Did he catch any more passes? No, not really. Steven, is this like, does it? 
when you watch this, did Ohio State blow it? Like, did they miss an opportunity to not make Demario McCall a bigger part of the offense at some point? No, they didn't miss an opportunity. The offense just changed and the concept of what the H-back was just changed and Paris Campbell and KJ Hill just did a lot of awesome stuff that in 2018 when the season rolled around. Um, because we saw it early with Paris Campbell. He was getting the ball a lot early on because they were doing a lot of that mess route stuff. So some of that was just opportunity. It's just Demario McCall is a spring game superstar. And so he got to maximize that because he was going to always play more snaps than a fifth year senior Paris Campbell. Cause he's, you know, he's a starter and because KJ Hill wasn't playing, but it was just awesome to see what, what could have been had they stayed in the Ohio state offense of 2014 and 2015 and 2016 when the H back was more of a hybrid football player and not just a pure wide receiver. But I, I wonder, say KJ Hill gets abducted by aliens that year, right? Paris is different. Paris is like six, six, one, thick, big, super fast. Paris Campbell is is a rare combination of talents, I think. Um, KJ is like a really reliable guy. Not that KJ is not talented also, but he's just like a really reliable guy. I, I yes, Demario, like size-wise, is more the Curtis Samuel kind of thing. It's like just like a little smaller guy. I don't. I'm not a thousand percent sure. It's like KJ Hill wound up like with more catches than anybody in Ohio state history. Nathan, I, I mean, you weren't here. I'm not like, I'm not a thousand percent sure. Demario McCall couldn't have done a version of that. If the two main H backs in 2018, had been Paris Campbell and Demario McCall instead of Paris Campbell and KJ Hill. Right. I mean, when you watch this guy play, cause they're not, they were throwing him some balls down the field. Right. But they also are throwing him some short stuff. He was like a borderline five star recruit. And I do think Demario, here I am now. It's like, oh, let's do this interesting new thing. And it's like, oh, oh, is Doug doing a Demario thing again? Cool. We've never heard that before. I don't know, Nathan. Like, I, I just think when I watch, there have been some spring game guys in the past where it's like, yeah, he was just a spring game guy. I do think Demario had more talent than to be something more than just a spring game guy. He had 14 offensive touches for 198 yards in his two years in the program before this spring game. Because again, he got here in 2016. So 16 and 17, that's what he did. The next four years, he had 41 offensive touches for 349 yards. And again, that's really mostly three years because by year six, he was on defense. Did you, did, when you watched him, Nathan, did you think to yourself, uh, it's more of a spring game thing. Or did you think, I don't know, that guy looks like he could play. No, I, I thought it was more of a spring game thing. I mean, he, he was fine. It's just, yeah, really? okay, let me, so who, you were going to give some of KJ Hill snaps in 2019 to him? You were going to not put Garrett Wilson in the slot in 2020 for DeMario? Like, what? where where was he going to play? No, 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 I mean, no, but I guess I'm just saying, like, Paris Campbell and KJ Hill wound up splitting mm-hmm. the slot reps in 2018. They wouldn't have split him. Paris would have just been in the slot. Like, because Demario, like, Demario's that different than KJ Hill. Like, Demario is then, in the end, a spring game wonder who never really gets to do anything, and KJ Hill is a focal part of the offense for multiple years. I know Demario's not Paris. He's that different. Well, in the eyes of the of the coaching staff, he obviously was because they could have done that with him in 2019 and they didn't, they didn't put they didn't split the, the slot reps with anybody in 2019. That was KJ Hill show. But that's, that's the point. They were yeah. also jacking him around a little bit. Then he was half a running back and half a slot. Like you didn't know what he was like that. We, it was like Jalen Gill was the guy who was supposed to be in the slot behind KJ Hill in 2019 and then didn't get any snaps and transferred. 
I don't know. I don't want it to I be think, a 45 minute tomorrow discussion, but I think he had no, some talent okay. and he got caught in between. I think because they kind of did it in 2019. They, they they put Austin Mack in the slot sometimes as like the second string slot when they were you know mixing some stuff up in 2019. I think that just would have opened that up for Austin Mack to be in the slot. And then your outside guys just would have been Terry McLaurin, Ben Victor, and Johnny Dixon. That's probably more realistic than Demario McCall at this point, just given how things and played out. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, I, you got to remember Chris Olave is not here yet. Cause he didn't get there till, till June. No, I know. But again, this is the era right before the receiving room explodes. This is the Austin Mack, Ben Victor, Johnny Dixon, Paris Campbell, Terry McLaurin era where nobody thought, man, there's a bunch of first rounders in that room. That's not what people thought back then. You know, Terry McLaurin turned out to be Terry McLaurin was like hiding in plain sight here the whole time. But he was like, it's like, I don't know, Terry McLaurin, Ben Victor, same thing. It's like Ben Victor's like a practice squad player in the NFL. Garrett Wilson, by the way, Garrett Wilson, talking about the talent at this game, Garrett Wilson on his official visit during yes, the spring game, yeah. as, is, as also is Harry Miller. So it's like Garrett Wilson is also like, Garrett Wilson's watching this being like, man, I'd like to catch passes from that Martell guy someday. Let me be a Buckeye. Garrett was uh, at practice for he he told me this. He was at practice fourteen, if I'm remembering this correctly, and like watching them throw the ball around like that is why he committed to Ohio State. Yeah, because so. he thought to himself, "Man, that Tate guy in a couple of years, he's going to be magic." Oh yeah, the, the Martell Wilson connection will lead Ohio State to the promised land. All right, that's enough, I, I guess. I, I guess my point just would be like, what did Demario do in this game that made you think he was an underutilized athlete? He caught balls. He was targeted a lot because he played for both teams. What did he do on the field that seemed like it was special? Be open and catch it when they throw it to him. Okay. I don't know. Against. I mean, it's hard to get a gauge on what he actually could have been on the slot receipt as a slot receiver when you can't tackle. Cause that's like a big thing. I think that's a good point. Yeah. All right, so you're gonna just slander Demario all of his way out the door. He saved no, no, no. Rose Bowl, but we're not slandering Demario. Nobody, we all agree he believe. is the MVP of the spring game. No. We just know that he is also a spring game. I, I, I wrote about him uh, I, I, his halftime speech at the Rose Bowl. I've reminded people how important he helped them on special teams and whatnot. But sometimes that's all you get. It's just because sometimes the guys who show up in the spring game are like walk-ons out of nowhere. He was like the number 30 recruit in the country. And then he did a lot of stuff in the spring game and he never had a role in the offense. And so, and again, it's not because Garrett Wilson was there the whole time stealing his role from him. You know, it's like they were kind of looking for some dudes and um, okay. The JT Barrett underappreciated player of the game. Is there somebody here now? JT Barrett is there. Again, this is like this transitional year. Like Denzel Ward is there hanging out. All these guys from the team, the 2017 team that just finished. JT Barrett is on the field at one point with Urban Meyer, kind of watching everything. You see at the end, Joe Burrow's like walking over the sideline after one of his touchdown passes. JT Barrett's right there. Joe Burrow, his whole career, as he explains to people now, it's like, hey, how did you sort of learn to be a leader and a quarterback? He's like, JT Barrett taught me how to do it. JT Barrett was the guy who had all these weird nicknames for everybody in the quarterback room and kind of joked around, but put these guys in this place, but also took them under his wing and showed them how to do it. JT Barrett was like super important on the Joe Burrow career path. So maybe it's JT Barrett is the under JT Barrett underappreciated player of the game because he's there helping shape a guy who's going to go on to have one of the greatest seasons in college football history and look like a top five quarterback in the NFL and the other nominees for this category. 
I threw Jalen Harris in here. He, um, you already mentioned him, uh, but you know, had some nice catches. Just one of those guys who, because it's the spring game, because you're splitting the offense in half, guys who are farther down the depth chart are going to get their reps. Doesn't mean they're ever actually going to get a chance to show it in a game. And he obviously didn't, but he was productive today on this day, I should say. I'm picking Baron Browning, but not necessarily for this game, but for what the talent that he was that never really got utilized the right way or never reached his potential because he was flying around. It's touch football, but he always seemed to be somewhere to touch people. That's a weird way to put that, but he was in holes. He was tracking people down. It was almost like year two of a five-star linebacker and he's starting to do stuff and you go, ooh. Especially since Tough Borland isn't playing. He's out with the torn Achilles at that point. It just seems like all right, Baron Browning is ready for this role as a former number one linebacker in the country. And it just never really turned out that way for whatever reason. But that's my underappreciated player because Baron was really talented. And the way that the announcers were talking about he's they were like, he's 6'3", 6'4", 235 pounds, and he's a second-year player, and he's doing all that. It's like, yeah, yeah. I wish he would have actually done that in the fall. Yeah, no, it's interesting because they're talking, yeah, Tough Borland's walking around in a walking boot. And it's like, oh, you don't know when Tough Borland's going to be back. And it's like Tough Borland, like to his credit, sort of pushed himself and rushed back to get on the field and then like wasn't himself because he was still dealing with the Achilles thing, but like was back long enough to sort of take snaps from Baron Browning to sort of like Baron Browning's growth as a player was inhibited because Tough Borland worked extra hard to get back. And it was like, I don't know that it served either of them particularly well. Um, Good nominees. Slop moment of the game. Offensive lineman or lineman. uh, I'm going to talk about Thayer here because this was a moment where I remember us sort of, this is sort of the same thing that's happening now, guys. A right tackle, you think he's eventually going to be a left tackle. We thought Isaiah Prince was going to maybe slide to left tackle. And they come out in the spring game and James Laurinaitis and the answers to talk about is kind of a surprise that Thayer Munford, who had been a backup as a freshman in 2017 is the starting left tackle and Isaiah Prince is at right tackle still. And that's how it then plays out in 2018. Thayer Munford starts the whole year at left tackle in 2018 up until he's hurt for the Rose Bowl. And he comes out, Stephen, and he's blocking Nick Bosa and Chase Young. Various points in the game. It's like, and it would be one of those of like, oh my gosh, this 75. Who's this 75? He's getting beat every play. And it's like, yes, he's never done this before. And he's facing two future number two picks. Thayer Munford must have gone home and put his feet in an ice bath and cracked open a Diet Coke and just thought to himself, my God, what have I got myself into? And it's like, don't worry. It's never going to be like that again. But I can't believe... This was the beginning of a four-year starter on Ohio State's offensive line who spent the day getting smoked by future All-Americans. The 2018 spring game is by far the hardest game Thayer Mufford has ever played as an Ohio State football player. And number two is the 2021 Michigan game. So there it is. His first start as an Ohio Ohio State offensive lineman, very difficult. His last start as an Ohio State offensive lineman, well, second to last start. Very difficult, but yeah, it's it was a it was a back and forth of oh that's a really good pass set to man this is not going well okay good pass set this is not going well it was just back and forth the entire day they just kind of picked on him until finally Nick Bosa because he's a veteran wasn't playing anymore so all he had to deal with was Chase which I'll get to later on because Chase was very annoying in this game 
was Thayer your guy also, Nathan? Yeah, and as far as like a particular moment, I picked the the long Mike Weber run where uh, Munford kind of got in the second level, blocked off a linebacker to the inside. Uh, Luke Farrell, I think, had come in on the other, had come across and hit hit opened up the hole from the other side, and then it was kind of off to the race. I think it was Tyreek Johnson, uh, ironically, who ran him down and got Weber at like the two and, and kept that from being a touchdown. But that was, I thought, just uh, the, the moment that stood out where you saw him really kind of assert himself uh, in the run game, which th- those are kind of few and far between. They obviously don't run a lot in the spring game. But the, the tougher test, obviously, was just that, that kind of constant having to go up against two of the best players in the world relentlessly for, the, for an entirety of a day. I, I do want to bring up Josh Myers real quickly, though, with the second teamers. I mm. thought you saw the flashes a little bit with him, especially in the passing game. I think one of the best things that he had as a two-year starter here was when he had nobody to block, he was always searching out somebody to go maul. And there were multiple times where it's like you see him kind of searching around. And if he doesn't see anybody, then he'll just help a guard and he'll just flatline somebody. So I do want to bring him up. I don't know if you guys have this in a, a category later, but they were talking during the broadcast about J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber in the backfield. And, hey, they've both had 1,000-yard rushing seasons in their careers. How are they going to work this out? They're going to play both guys in the fall. Will they maybe put them on the field together, which is something that we talked about. They never did. And then it was like, oh, what's going to happen with those running backs? It's like, oh, yeah, they're going to drive each other crazy. And they're going to both like make each other worse. And J.K. Dobbins is going to question his – abilities as a running back until he finally gets to be the guy by himself in 2019. So it was funny to sort of like watch them tease that. And it's like, Oh yeah, that is not going to go well. So 2018 spring game, man, it's got it all. Malik Hooker, where did he come from award? Um, I had a heartline here. Cause again, it was just like, there's Brian Hartline. <laughs> so that's not a player, but it's like, where did he come from? It's like, yeah, hey, he's a guy. He's like, he's like circling around. He's actually not a full-time coach at that point. Uh, Nathan, who did you have for this category? Uh, so I had Mike Weber there because I had never really seen the Mike Weber era. I'd only sort of heard the Mike Weber era and everything I'd ever heard about it was how much of a failure it was. And then he goes breaking off that long run and then showing some elusiveness. And I'm thinking like, Oh, there was something here. Like they, they, they clearly saw something that made them think that he deserved to get those snaps. Um, and I, I was going to maybe put, uh, our, our dearly departed Tathan here early on, but as the game went on, I, I felt less and less like it was a revelation for him. And also everybody knew where he came from. Yeah. Came out of a slot machine in Vegas. No, Tathan, he's actually from LA. Just went to high school in Vegas. Um, Yeah. But if you'll notice also, again, this is like all my thing with Mike Weber. It's like, that was a nice long run. It was a gigantic hole. Yeah. He had a huge hole and then he, he ran away from like, I don't know, Jocelyn went or something. And it was like, okay, well, that was good. That's usually what he did. But like, if the, if it was a giant hole, he'd take it. And then if there wasn't a giant hole, then it was usually more of an issue where J.K. Dobbins, if there wasn't a hole, would be able to do some stuff. Uh, we have a punting thing we always do. The punting category, Drew Chrisman is punting here. And I was like, it was, was he bottle flipping famous yet? And he was starting to be. The first Drew Chrisman bottle flipping video came out in July of 2017. So this is April of 2018. So the legend of Drew Chrisman is is starting to bubble um, a little bit that he's he's not just a punter. Well, he is. He's just a punter, but he has an interesting hobby. So it's a spring game. We don't have to talk about punting too much. The Bill well, Davids- um, let, let me get my uh, where he came from. Oh, um, I thought you said you had another guy. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I do. Uh, Sean Wade. I thought he looked really good in oh. this game. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. Really, really good. Like 
you know, five star number two cornerback in the country, number 17 player, future first round. Like that's the path he was on. Obviously, it didn't turn out that way, but he played a lot of outside corner and he was contesting a lot of stuff. And it sucks we didn't get to see Jeff Okuda in this game because he was out with an injury. But Sean Wade gave you enough here to give you some indication of what the future was like. And I do wonder, had he not been kind of jerked around? Because I know he spent some time at strong safety and obviously ended up in the slot for a little bit. Um, had he just been an outside corner his entire career, I wonder how different that 2020 season is for him. Well, he wasn't an outside corner because he didn't like win the job at outside yeah. corner. You know, that's like with Okuda and Arnett and Chef Kendall Sheffield still yeah. around for this season. And then in 2019, it's still Okuda and Arnett. And then Wade's in the, like, I, uh, I sort of understood why it happened. But here at this moment, he had redshirted in 2017 because he was like hurt the whole year. So he had been a five-star recruit, but this spring game was kind of like the first we got to really see him. And he's making a diving interception. I don't have a great place to put this. So I'll put this here. We're going to do this a lot because this game is not a game. It's interesting to watch Urban Meyer still in his element because this is the season where it starts to wear on him. And by the this is the season where it's like he's going to his knees during games because the, the system is headed. He's having this extreme stress and the Zach Smith stuff is just over the horizon uh, a couple months away. But this is still like sort of laid back in control. Let me do the postgame interview with my grandson in my arms. Life is good, Urban Meyer. And it's kind of like the last we see of it. Now you see it again after he leaves Ohio state and he's doing the Fox show and everybody thinks he's good on TV, but he's still conflicted. Will I coach again? I don't know. But this is just like, I'm the man. We're good. I'm in charge. Everything's great. But there was this moment. And then Sean Wade reminded me of it. There was this moment late in the game where Bobby Carpenter, who is the sideline reporter for the game is interviewing Andrew Norwell on the sideline who's a former Ohio State offensive lineman. He had just signed as a free agent with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Then later that drive, Sean Wade makes a diving interception. And as he goes to the sideline, they show Sean Wade, hometown, Jacksonville, Florida. And then like 10 seconds later, they go to Urban Meyer and like Urban Meyer is like waving his arms or something. And it's like, don't do it. Avoid the Jackson, like the Jacksonville is chasing you, Urban. Run from the Jacksonville. But it's just like, who would have thought? It's like, I wonder, like you're watching the 2018 spring game. It's like, I wonder if Urban will, t- will coach the Jacksonville Jaguars someday. Does that seem possible? And watching it now, it's just like you're on the alert for like any, the curse of the Jaguars that's going to take down Urban Meyer. All right. Um, so Sean Wade, that's a good, good guy for that category. Drew Crispin punted four times. Nobody really cared. Questionable coaching moment. This is named for Bill Davis and Tim Beck. They went into great detail about the arrival of Alex Grinch and how that's going to free up Greg Schiano to not have to coach a position group. And they said he's just going to be a roamer. And he's just going to roam around his defensive coordinator and design a defense that corkscrews his linebackers into the ground and is so crazy and weird that nobody can do it. And he's going to take all this defensive talent and make it one of the very worst defenses in college football. Nathan, the idea of like, here's Greg Schiano. Hey, like Kerry, Urban Meyer's talking about, oh, Kerry Combs. I love Kerry Combs personally. He's a very tough guy to replace. But we brought in Alex Grinch. We brought in Tabor Johnson. 
Greg Schiano is doing running the show here, and it's like this is going to explode. And right now, Nathan, and we watched this game, nobody knew. There were so many things that happened in the first like 90 seconds of this game broadcast, things that were said that I thought because it reminds me of um being a baseball fan, I would because I wasn't really around for like the 86 World Series. You'd go back and you would watch the highlights of that, and like Red Sox players are like hugging each other in the dugout and practically crying before the Bill Buckner play happens that they, they didn't lose the World Series and, and go on. And you're like, you're watching these people who don't know the tragedy that's about to just fall into their onto their shoulders. And I'm listening to this pregame and not only so not only are they talking about the two running backs and Brian Sneed about to arrive in the summer. So the whole catastrophe that's happening in that backfield. But then they bring up uh oh Tabor they're asking Urban, you know, hey, Tabor Johnson and Alex Grinch just got here. What are they going to bring in? And he's like, oh, yeah, both great coaches. And of course, we just lost Kerry Combs. And you're like, oh, it's just like every single one, if you're an Ohio State fan, has to be just like a little bit of a stab in the heart because every single one of those things, you can trace back a lot of the deficiencies of 2020 and 2021 to the things that were being talked about in the first two minutes of this broadcast. This, this, watching the spring game was like watching a horror movie at the movie theater. She's like, don't go in there. Don't hire that guy. <laughs> don't bring that running back here. It was just, it, it was, yeah. <laughs> this is why, this is why when people say that if you had a chance to like, just go back and look at all the mistake, all the decisions you've made in your life, you should say no. Cause you're going to see a lot of bad ones. Yeah, I hope they don't do a 90-minute telecast about it. Um, the Kenny Guyton Next Man Up Award. Uh, Master Teague is doing a lot in this game as an early enroll freshman. And it's like, hey, it's Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins. Antonio Williams is still here. He's eventually going to transfer to North Carolina. But then, hey, there's this Master Teague guy. And there's like a lot of like Tate Martell and Master Teague kind of like running the zone read together. And it's like, oh, wow, I don't know this guy. And then it's like, well, no, that's just like, that's like, that's like what he is. Just you know, and we don't have to have the Master Teague thing again, but like Nathan, I felt like the Master Teague that we were watching sort of in the spring game, which is like basically the first time he ever played was like the same guy that we were watching like four years later. It's like Master Teague is Master Teague. And if there's a hole there, he's got great big wide shoulders and here he goes. But if you want him to get a ton on his own, it's probably not going to happen. But he sort of arrived fully formed plopped into this game. Yeah, the, his name wasn't Mystery Teague, it's Master Teague. There was never a mystery to Master's game. I mean, this is what he was as a high school star in Tennessee. This is what he was, like you're saying, as soon as he kind of walked on campus. I think you saw good things from him. I think you saw things that are why he was a productive backup running back for this team and why he was occasionally able to help in other ways. But you're right, it, it, it was also a... A, a fun thing to watch in the spring game. It's a fun thing to have as your backup guy, but as what Ohio state needed from its star, its lead running back, they would go through most of 2018 looking for that. It wasn't going to come from master Teague and it, it wasn't coming from those two guys that they needed at the top for the most part too. Anybody else have a next man up Kenny Guyton award here? Nah, it's hard to do that in spring games. It is. It's I, it's designed to do that. The whole thing yeah. is next man. And I, I, yeah. said I put Demario here because with KJ being out, that's why he got such a featured role. Yep. All right, John Cooper for bite or bite is a pup award. Um, I put Chase here. I didn't know if you, mm -hmm. you is that where you had Stephen. You said you had yep. a Chase point you want to make. 
Yeah, let's let's talk about it now because this is he's still a pup at this point technically because he's coming off his freshman year and he doesn't have ten and a half sacks in a year yet, and it's really really annoying. And it's it reminded me of this past spring game where we're trying to watch the quarterbacks, but Jack Sawyer won't get out the way and he keeps getting sacks. Except Chase is doing it against the starting tackles, and it's every other play. And it's really he has he has one sack. That's not at all a sack, but it's a sack in a spring game where he gets around Thayer Munford, but Thayer has a good passing set, and he just reaches his right arm out, and he just taps Dwayne Haskins' backside, and then he's, like, complaining to the coach. He's like, why didn't you blow it dead? It's like, because, Chase, you're not going to pull him down by his collarbone there in the real game. It's not a sack. But it felt like every three or four plays, he was touching a quarterback. It's like, Chase, no one's here to see you. We're trying to figure out who's winning this quarterback battle right now, and here goes this future Heisman Trophy finalists getting in the way of all that. Yeah, Chase is quite good, and we all saw it. Uh, anybody else with the pup there? Uh, good on the pups? I mean, there's Yeah, I mean, we got a glimpse place. of someone like Pete Werner doing some things when he was still kind of on the up and coming. It wasn't quite the neck yet. He was still a neck in progress. There were some guys who, you know, Urban, again, at the start of the broadcast, name-checked seven banks which I that one like almost gave me like whiplash, like all the people who we were going to be able to see in the in that game. And Urban's asked about, oh, we got this crowd here. Like we know that, uh, you know, we know Nick Bosa can play in front of these guys, but I want to see what Seven Banks does. I'm like, what? Seven Banks? Uh, and then he did get to play a lot, and uh, I think got picked on a little bit yeah, uh, by these quarterbacks and the, the receivers, which is what you'd expect from a guy at, at Seven Banks's, you know, true freshman kind of situation. So. But he was one other that jumped out to me. And then we got to see, again, there were some other pups that didn't even really bite. And then, you know, some like Dallas Gant got brought up, a guy that um, Urban was talking about how um, smart he was and mature he was. And he was going to get to play on special teams, which ended up kind of being, unfortunately for him, I think, sort of the, the story of his career. Um, so some guys that you know, you would have had a lot of promise about. Again, if you were an Ohio State fan in the spring of 2018, you would have been thinking like, man, what's that guy going to turn into? And it just didn't really ever uh, happen the way that I'm sure that those guys wanted it to. It's crazy. Seven Banks looks like he's 16 in this game. Like he's skinny, like he just got there. He's trying to figure it out. Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins are like dropping bombs on his head. And he's like, man, I'm just trying to survive this spring game. He's so young in that game. But again, that's what happens with these guys when they early enroll as freshmen. Um, The Ted Ginn Jr. speed moment. I put Tate here because I actually thought Tate looked Mm -hmm. fast. And so we are saving the hardcore forensic analysis of the Dwayne Haskins, Joe Burrow battle until the end. Tate was not really in it. So let's do Tate here. Tate didn't throw it great in this game. But Stephen, when you watch Tate Martell play this game, I guess the two questions are, did he look like a guy who could have been a starting quarterback at Ohio State in the right situation? And then secondly, does he look like a starting quarterback for somebody in college football? Like, oh, if it doesn't work out here, he'll go somewhere else and be able to play because he's got a little shimmy. I do think he's a pretty good athlete. He's got good speed, and he throws it okay. This guy's a pretty big-time recruit, and, you know, he's had flashes, I thought, in this game. I thought you saw every reason why there was so much hype around him as just like a football player in general. 
in this game because of the running ability. And you saw that, and James Lornard has kept bringing it up. I don't see him as a starter, but I do think there's a goal line package for him, which would obviously become the discussion throughout the entire season of, is there a goal line package for Tate Martell? But I also saw exactly why he was never going to be the starting quarterback here, whether it was he just didn't see the field well or he was consistently getting passes batted down. And it wasn't even because he couldn't see over the line of scrimmage. It would be like a blitzer would come his way and they'd bat the pass down. Um, He was inaccurate at times. He wasn't good at being a quarterback. He was just good at being Tate Martell in this game. But I'm surprised he did not go on to be the starting quarterback at Illinois or the starting quarterback at at East Carolina or the starting quarterback at Troy or somewhere, Nathan. This looks like a guy who can be one of the 130 best quarterbacks in the country and find a job. I wonder what other options were really on the table for him when he, before he decided to go to Miami, because he really probably should have been at Miami of Ohio, not Miami, Florida. And he could have been something really good at that level of football or maybe even something higher. Like you're saying, maybe even somewhere else in the big 10 in Illinois, a Rutgers, a lower division, somebody that hasn't been bringing in because Ohio state made a change in the kind of athlete that it uses at quarterback. Now, like I, I don't, I hope I don't mean this to disparage anyone like would Tate Martell have fit in better in the era of Ohio state football, where Craig Krenzel was a starter. Like, could that could Tate Martell have fit in better back then? No, I I think I wrote this too at the time when he initially announced that he was transferring. I think he fit perfectly in in this era from 2008 to 2016, where quarterbacks at the college level were more athletes than they were quarterbacks, especially at these power programs like the Braxton Miller type of quarterback, the Tim Tebow type of quarterback. He fit perfectly in that world. He just happened to get to Ohio State at the exact time where they were moving away from that world. I don't think he's he's a. I think he's a reasonable heir apparent to like Braxton Miller, JT Barrett, Tate Martell. Like, I think you can draw a decent through line there. And we've talked about this and you did write about it, Stephen, at the time. This is an old conversation. I mean, I do, I do want to keep us focused on like what we saw in the game. I thought he looked dangerous in the zone read game. He seemed to have a feel for it. He seemed to know when to pull it. And when he pulled it, he'd get out there. He does, Nathan, he has some moves. But I thought in the open field, he looked like a guy who could break some plays. And again, is he going to lead you to a national championship? No. But I thought he could have been a winning. I thought the way he played in this game, somebody could have taken him and won games with him. At like the level, maybe two levels below Ohio State, but maybe maybe only one level below. Right? Maybe... Could he have won games at Michigan State in this era? Could he have won games at Minnesota in this era? I think maybe, but I'm sure he could have won games in the MAC with the way he looked today. But I think, I mean, he chose Miami, Florida. I don't know how focused he was on football when he's got South Beach there. He probably should have gone to UNLV right away. Right, he went to yeah. high school in UNLV. His high school coach was like the UNLV head coach at some point. He should have gone straight there and just played there. And, and by the time well, we got even to UNLV, like Nevada, I think it was a, a better football program in a lot of ways than UNLV was. You could probably could have gone somewhere like that and found an offense that could have been tailored around what his talents were. And that just, I, I think Steven's right that there, I understand what you guys are saying. I think my point being more that this just wasn't, you couldn't be like this size of a quarterback with this skill set. This was almost the moment where that stopped being an option. 
at Ohio State. Like this, no, that sure, like April, whatever, 2018, yeah. that day was almost like crystallized that that era had ended and it was going to be all this from now on. And you had two I guys on the field who threw it a lot better. Yeah. And yeah, I will say, though, there was no such thing as a broken play with Tate Martell. And they kind of let him roll with a little bit because there were some other times where I, Dwayne and Joe would have some scrambles at times. and They would blow the whistle dead as soon as they got out in the space. They kind of let Tate roam and let him like have his moment with that. So I do think that aspect of his game, if you put him at, like you said, Illinois or Miami of Ohio, he has a skill set that was enough that if he plays an Ohio State football team or a Penn State team and on a, any given day, he's going to give that team fits. And maybe it's only, I don't know, 21 to 10 at halftime because he kept taking off. Mm -hmm. And instead of it being a seven-yard loss because he got sacked, he got a 30-yard gain on that play. And he finishes the day with 212 passing yards and 160 rushing yards because he's just all that team has. That's That was definitely we on the table We saw it later in 2018, Ohio State struggle against a freshman from Nebraska named Adrian Martinez. Could Tate Martell have given this Ohio State defense problems? I think that's a fun thing to think about. Yeah. No, I think well, – I don't know what the difference is between Tate yeah. Martell and yeah. Adrian Martinez. I, I think I you might be right. Player. And, and Adrian Martinez was like not really good enough to ever get Nebraska over the hump, but he was like the starting quarterback at Nebraska for multiple years. So it's like would Tate Martell have made an All-American team? No. Could he have started for multiple years at a pretty good football program? I think yes. This is the column I wrote – off this spring game where I said Ohio State might have three of the best eight quarterbacks in the Big Ten that made the uh, Iowa offensive coordinator mad. So, sorry about that. Actually, I'm not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, style check. The evolution of Joe Burrow's drip is yes. fascinating. Because Joe Burrow, I don't know how he did it, but he, at this moment, was still the guy who wore... Matthew Delavadova t-shirts around and he's wearing like this black headband during the game with like kind of a bad haircut. And it's like, it's the four years later, it's the before and after he is like a walking fashion show when he shows up at Bengals games now. And people are doing posts about the sunglasses he wears to post-game news conferences. Steven, he is not there yet on, on the style evolution. He's just starting. I think he's already there. It's just the world doesn't know it yet. I think if you would have asked everybody in that locker room what Joe Burrow is like, I think if you ask two different demographics, and everybody knows what I'm getting at here, you get two different answers on who Joe Burrow is. And now, obviously, because he's famous now, everybody gets to see it. But, yeah, he's still that kid with the long, crazy hair who at one point had bleach blonde hair when he was leading his high school to a state championship run. It's not the world doesn't know the real Joe Burrow yet at this point because he's not famous, but it, but he's not, he's not there. There's not a cool guy hiding in him at the, yet. I, I think know. he, I think he got cooler. The better he got, he's like trying to win. I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I mean, think, I think you, you are who you are. It's just how many people are paying attention to it. And at, it's at Ohio state. It's not like the quarterbacks don't have that much personality. You know, they all talk the same and do the same things. And so you get a little bit of it for the, but for the most part, they all act the same. And that's pretty much every college football player. And then they get to the NFL and it's like, oh, that's your actual personality. So I do think it's a little bit of both. It's not there yet, but it's more like we just don't know it yet. Because he's also not at LSU wearing Burroughs, uh, burn the burrow on the back of his jersey yeah. for a sci- for a senior day. Smoking cigars in the national after yeah. national championship game. Um, 
I don't know. Just I'm fascinated by it. And and again, Joe Burrow is the is the kind of guy. I mean, like, what you talk about, Stephen? And and people were posting these photos from the Bengals locker room after their first playoff victory. It was it was hilarious, but also I think informative. He relates to the white guys and to the black guys. And that, that I think is a really important thing for any quarterback. You have to be able, you have to relate to everybody in your locker room. And when he's hanging out with the black guys, man, he kind of is hanging out in a different way than he's hanging out with the white guys, but he is comfortable in both worlds. And I think that is an actual thing about, especially in the NFL, you have to be able to relate to everybody in a locker room and all all cultures in a locker room. You have to be able to relate to hip hop and country music because there's usually a battle in the locker room of which music they're going to play. Right. And I think Joe Burrow, I think Steven, that's what you're getting at. Like, but you yes. can see all the guys at Ohio state love him. Like everybody, regardless of their personality, everybody's like, that's my guy. Joey B's my guy. So I think his style had not caught up with him yet, but I think the thing inside of him, that allows him to be real friends with all kinds of different guys that had already emerged. And it's maybe something that Ohio state should have had a slightly better handle on. Cause I think it's an important part of being a quarterback leader at any level. I think, yeah, I think that's where the, you question who should have won this job. Yeah. More than yep. anything else. Because, All right, we'll, we'll speed through the rest yeah. of these because we got to get that. Nathan, any style stuff? Having not been here at the time, the one that jumped out to me was another hairdo. It was the BB Landers mohawk, the blonde dyed mohawk that was you could yes. see from I think the the space station that day. Um, pretty impressive. I had heard about it. I remember t- talking to him about it, but that was I think the first time I had actually seen it. All right, meme it. Any anything in here you guys would have made into a meme? I thought you could do something. Um, Sort of the 2018 Chase Young, who's like begging to uh, be awarded a sack in a touch football game in the spring game, and then like cut to Chase Young just mauling all of college football in 2019. Yeah, that's a good one, Stephen. You have anything? Um, I think the meme is just that photo that actually exists of Chase Young sacking Joe Burrow in a spring game, and it's like. Here are the number one and number two picks from the 2020 NFL draft. Yeah. There's a lot of moments there. I was screenshotting a bunch of stuff along the way of like, man, that's a crazy shot. Man, that's a crazy shot. Like like 17-year-old Ryan Day coaching up Tate Martell on the sideline. I was like, click, I'm going to save that one. So there were, um, there were multiple moments like that. I definitely grabbed the Bosa and Burrow at the end. Uh, I definitely grabbed, I mean, Ryan Day is so young. I can't, I can't get over it. I have to post it. It's remarkable. Completely clean shaven. Remarkable how young he looks. All right. The last thing is the Maurice Claret game saving moment. And I wrote about this at the time and we're going to finish up and get in to who should have been the starting quarterback based on this game. Next up Buckeye talk. All right. Getting finally to the crux of the matter for the 2018 Ohio state spring game. Watching this game, should Ohio State have picked Joe Burrow? The game-saving moment to me, I wrote about this throw, and it was the column I wrote off the spring game, and it was called um, the throw that may have won Ohio State's quarterback battle. And it was Dwayne Haskins' touchdown to 
Uh, I think Ben Victor. No, Jalen Harris, 32 yards, sort of front corner in the end zone. A little reminiscent of like the C.J. Stroud to Garrett Wilson throw against Michigan, sort of like a borderline back shoulder right to the front pylon. Give your guy a chance to go up and make a play, like throw it right just barely over the defender. I think Marcus Williamson was in coverage. And I thought Dwayne made that throw and one or two other throws during the course of the game where it was like, man, you don't see those around Ohio State very much. And I focused on that and said, how do you not give the job to a guy who can make throws like that? So as that spring kind of emerged, it sort of became like I mostly about Dwayne Haskins and Landis wrote mostly about Joe Burrow. So I did not talk to Joe Burrow after the game. I was dealing with Dwayne Haskins and focused on Dwayne Haskins. Landis was all about Joe Burrow. And Landis was writing that day and saying like, listen, man, Joe Burrow, clearly the headline is Joe Burrow's Ohio State spring game. He's ready to start for the Buckeyes or anyone else. And Joe Burrow is like, I came here to play. This is a quote. I came here to play. I didn't come here to sit on the bench for four years. I know I'm pr- I'm a pretty darn good quarterback, and I want to play somewhere. So let's get right to it, Nathan. As we watch this game, and I'll grab the stats here in a second. While I was writing about Haskins, I even wrote something like, yeah, sure, Joe Burrow moved the offense. Hey, move the offense. He looks smooth and in control, but who cares about that? Dwayne Haskins made some cool throws. I have a view of this, but I want you guys to get it because you weren't writing about it in the moment. Nathan, when you watched this game, what did you think about the decision for Ohio State to pick Dwayne Haskins? And again, we're going to base it. We know all the other stuff. If we're using this as a chunk of the evidence, what do you think? I can't say that I watched this game and thought that it showed that Ohio State made the wrong decision. But I also didn't look at it and say they clearly made the right one, (laughs) like that there was a huge separation here by any means in favor of Haskins. And I think it goes to show that sometimes the sometimes as a coach, I think you just find these situations where uh, there almost is no wrong answer and no right answer. And you just have to go with it. Uh, you know, we saw Georgia have to do that at one point, and that's how Justin Fields ended up at Ohio State. And we saw Ohio State uh, have to kind of make that decision. I do. It does make you wonder if Joe Burrow had never gotten hurt, if Joe Burrow had gotten the time that Dwayne Haskins did the year before, how does that change the whole trajectory? No, I know. And we've talked about that. But this game, this game, you're not watching it and thinking to yourself, oh, my God, I see the seeds of the next Tom Brady, what are they doing? They're about to blow it. I just watched Joe Burrow take 40 uh, no, snaps I, in this I, game. I, you see the seeds of why Joe Burrow became Joe Burrow, but that didn't make me think necessarily that Ohio State in the moment made the wrong call. All right, Steven, as you watch this game, what did you think? I get why Dwayne Haskins won the job. It's the throw to uh, Jalen Harris for the touchdown that makes it 14-10, to 10, and then it's the other one to Ben Victor over seven banks. Those two throws, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's exactly why. Joe Burrow was good, but he didn't do anything that made you go, that's my starting quarterback. And we just got done talking about a lot of his intangibles. But the thing about intangibles, the average person can't see those things. Those things happen in a locker room, and they're the they're almost after the fact. But Dwayne Haskins' arm talent that had been bragged about for three years up to that point. And that you guys saw when he was throwing the ball purposefully while the reporters were still in there that day, all that was on display in the spring game in the way that Joe never really 
there's not a moment in this game that makes you remember Joe Burrow's performance the way it does with Dwayne Haskins. And that's nothing against Joe Burrow. It's just he was decent. Dwayne Haskins looked like he could win you a national championship. But this is why it's tough to use something like a spring game as a referendum because there was also a couple drives that like Joe Burrow didn't get a chance to throw a touchdown because they got down to the end of the field and just hand it off and had Master Teague run it in or whatever. Like, so he didn't get a chance to make some of the, the, I wouldn't say that every opportunity is exactly the same in in a spring game. And that's why it's difficult to base too much just on the spring game. What was Joe Burrow's best throw? Yeah. The last throw of the game, the 50 yard touchdown to DeMario Mm -hmm. corner of the end zone. And then he hit DeMario on another long touchdown. That was like Mm -hmm. a busted coverage. So, so here's what I wrote at the time. And I have, I have thoughts on this. I wrote. Burrow can do a lot of things as a quarterback. The guess is that he's a starting quarterback this fall because he is undoubtedly good enough to be one. But the guess is that it's somewhere else because it's hard to imagine Meyer turning away from a guy who can throw it like Haskins. Saturday, Burrow looked a little more consistently in control, a little more comfortable in the pocket, a little more able to slide as pressure was coming and then complete a 10-yard throw. And Haskins dropped dimes more than once. So that's like what a sports writer thinks. What do I know? Because I'm like, well, Joe Burrow looked, I don't know, more like a quarterback. But didn't Dwayne Haskins make a couple cool throws? And I've always thought that like the idea of like they made a mistake is like you hang that on Urban Meyer and maybe Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson are the guys making that decision. It's like, man, it's crazy. Nobody would have thought that. In re-watching this, Nathan, I thought there were enough seeds of the guy who is just comfortable in the pocket, feels pressure, moves around, finds the open guy, makes the accurate throw, and also does have some upside stuff. He made like a back shoulder sideline throw to Ben Victor that I was like, that is, I think I've seen Jamar Chase make that catch multiple times this year. It's like Burrow gives a bigger receiver a shot on the sideline and the guy goes up and gets it. I don't think, I think Haskins was the obvious choice, but in rewatching this, I thought there were more seeds than I remembered or expected for somebody who knows a lot about quarterbacks to say, you know what? I know this is going against the obvious thing, but I see something here. And I know Dwayne's arm, and I know Dwayne's size, and I know Dwayne's skill. But I think I see something here. I think I see a guy who, for whatever reason, is just in control. And I think there's maybe some people, some quarterback gurus, who in that moment would have shocked everybody and picked Joe Burrow. And maybe it wouldn't have worked out the same way. Because again, this Joe Burrow is not the LSU Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow didn't go to LSU in 2018 and light the world on fire right away. Right? Joe Brady helped him a lot at LSU. There were LSU gets a lot of credit for Joe Burrow, right? I mean, it's not like Ohio State dropped him fully formed into LSU and said, hey, here's a national championship quarterback. He wasn't all the way there yet. But a lot of the stuff that you're going to see in the playoffs when the when the Bengals play the Titans on Saturday, and I think the I think the Bengals are going to win. I thought you saw some of that pocket presence and some of the accuracy and some of the decision-making, Nathan, a little more than I remembered. And I'm not saying – I wouldn't say they made the wrong choice, but I saw enough that I thought, 
you could have picked Burrow after this and said, trust me, I see something. I think that might be true. I think it's also true, though, that you saw the seeds of why Dwayne Hassans was going to throw for 5,000 and some yards and 50 touchdowns or whatever it was that fall. Like That fall with that team, with those receivers who he'd built a rapport with. And that's why I think I think it was just a, almost an impossible choice to have to make in that moment. I, I do think that you... I saw more of what you're talking about than maybe I expected to considering the decision that they did make that if you look past those, just the numbers and the numbers actually were pretty close except for the touchdown passes where I think Haskins had the edge. And again, there were some reasons I think that that happened just the way that that game played out. But that is at the end of the day, what the coaches are almost, that is what they're paid to do is to look and analyze and what it what to from the outsiders looks like an impossible decision and make the tough call. And I think they've there's probably a million cases where they've done that and it's turned out right for Ohio State. And this is one where you just question it. I wonder if if, if Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins were the same age, they would have picked Burrow. Maybe because at this it, at this point you're probably not thinking Dwayne Haskins is going to be a one year starting quarterback and then go off to the NFL. While with that would have been, I think Dwayne was thinking. I mean, yeah, Dwayne <laughs> thought that. Yeah, like, listen, I mean, yeah, Dwayne was, but he was on that island by himself at this. Well, him and his family lived on that island alone right now. I think most people, even in that coaching staff, would have thought, okay, do you want one year of Burrow? Where let's just say Burrow doesn't throw fifty touchdown passes, but let's just say like the offense still takes the next step and he's forty-two touchdown passes, four thousand two hundred and something yards, you know, only seven interceptions. It's a quality enough season where Burrow, he's been in college for four years. Let's go to the NFL, even if I'm not a first round draft pick. Well, maybe he's a second day guy. Or do you take Dwayne, where with that you get him for two years? It's probably what you're thinking at the time. If the talent is if 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 it's that close of a race you go with the younger guy that's just how sports works so i do wonder if if they had both been 2015 recruits i think joe burrow would have won would have won this battle and it's funny to think that it ends up that Dwayne is only going to play one more year and joe's going to play two more years right and it's it's funny how those things work out um you know there are times i actually ohio state we've covered this ohio state has a history of picking the wrong quarterback i mean they do it all the time it takes them a while to come around to the right guy Sometimes, so you know, start with Justin's Wick and eventually get to Troy Smith, Joe Germain, and Stanley Jackson. They kind of never worked that out in a way that you know maximized the, the potential of those teams back then. We we know the history here um, that it's a little iffy sometimes, but I do think um, you know there are times I, I I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Right, there was the year I think Matt Flynn had been Brett Favre's backup, I think, in Green Bay, and the S- Seattle Seahawks signed him to a big contract, and they also drafted a guy in the third round. And then it was like, well, we signed Matt Flynn to be the starting quarterback. And then in camp, they were like, this third rounder is pretty good. And the third rounder was Russell Wilson. They were like, sorry, Matt Flynn, we're going with that guy. And right, that like you did the unexpected thing. And so I just think there was room for that, right? And who knows what happened? I thought Dwayne was going to be good in the NFL, has not worked out for him in the NFL. I think not all because of on-field things, not all his fault. That situation, I think, wasn't great for him. I don't think he was as locked in as he needed to be. Um, but Burrow clearly has it. And I think we saw the very, I think you saw what he is now. It's it's like the reverse, Nathan. I'm not saying that you would have watched Joe Burrow in this spring game and said, yep, next Tom Brady. But now that people are saying, and that really is the comparison for him because he's not Mm -hmm. right. It's more about just making the right throw. It's that style of quarterback play. 
but he might be a top five quarterback right now. It's not that you would watch that game and say, yep, he's going to be that. But now that he is that, when you look back on that game, it's not like you're like, holy moly, that came out of nowhere. It's like, oh, I see a little bit more of it than I expected. Yeah, and what I think it makes it an even more interesting discussion is we've already talked about had the the retalkables, like you said, or the the Buckeye fly effect about um, did did Ryan Day make Dwayne Haskins? Because Dwayne Haskins has never been the same quarterback since he separated from Ryan Day. And I'm sure people were asking when Joe Burrow came out of college, like, is this just the Joe Brady thing? Is it just the, you know, this system made him and he'll never be able to replicate that. And now we're seeing that he's nowhere near Brady and he's had a significant injury in the middle of all this. And between his two seasons, like tore an ACL and was out for an extended period of time and has come back and has blown the doors off the place. And I think that you play that back in your mind and you're like, well, which guy then really probably had the higher ceiling in that moment? And, and by the way, Joe Brady left LSU, went to the Carolina Panthers as his hot offensive coordinator, got fired. So it's like, who made who? It's like Joe Brady and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson made Joe Brady. That That is it's like, he did a good job, but he also had unbelievably talented players to make him look good. So what are you going to do? Also a chance this is, that, there's a chance Brady just, just unlocked whatever was already there. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. if anything, I'll give Brady credit for that. But yes, the fact that like Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase have now both gone to Cincinnati along with uh, uh, what's his name from Clemson, and they're doing what they're doing is pretty ridiculous. T Higgins, yeah, T Higgins, yeah. yes. So, and again, this is not the discussion of would Ohio State have been better off if they keep Joe Burrow, they don't get Justin Fields, all that stuff. We've done that before. This is just this spring game when you watch it. What did you think? That'll wrap this up. For this version of the Buckeye Retalkables, the next game we do probably won't be a spring game. Probably will be an actual game that mattered in the standings between Ohio State and another team. But given Tate Martell, the end of Tate Martell's career, and it was like I, the guy who tweeted it this week was like, he's retiring. It's like, well, he's been in college for five years, and I think he's done, and he's never really played. He, he so He could have played. What did we? I know, but but he's but not. like. Like, is he being retired or is yeah. he retiring? Like, you know, I mean, it's like, I'm retiring too, but it's like, nobody wants me. So who, what are you retiring from? So that and Burrow is what doing, doing what Burrow is. It just sort of made it the right time to do, uh, have a little fun with something like this. Thanks to you guys for being part of it. We'll come back with more Buckeye retalkables this off season, more Buckeye fly effects this off season. For now, for Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>